I enjoy um, watching and helping people have those breakthroughs. And and for me, it's really about when the when you know when kind of the light goes on, and I can tell that somebody just did something that they didn't think that they could do. Um, and getting to that point where, where they start to, they start to say like, oh, they, like they start to question all their other limitations. I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is when they start to see that they, they did this one thing that wasn't on their radar before. And so they start looking around and saying like, oh shit, what, like, what are these other things that I could do? to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey listeners, we are really excited to announce that we've got a new sponsor for the show, Crafted Energy. Crafted Energy is the first and only functional energy bar specifically built for cyclists. Each plant-based and clean label ingredient was chosen to support the unique nutritional needs of cyclists. They also make a bar specifically for runners and a bar specifically for climbers. Their bars not only focus on quick and sustained energy, but also include ingredients that naturally fight muscle soreness. Our listeners get 10% off their total purchase using Hotman as a promo code at checkout. Visit craftedenergy.com to learn more about their functional energy. That's crafted, C-R-A-F-T-E-D, energy.com. And the code is spelled Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N. I found these bars a while back. They are made in Phoenix, Arizona, and I personally really love them, really enjoy them. They've got some brand new packaging that makes the bars a perfect fit for the back of a cycling jersey and they taste amazing. I also love the fact that they don't get all melty and gross in the wrappers when you're out trying to eat them on a bike ride or a run. So I hope that you'll check them out, take advantage of their discount, and we are so excited to have them on board as a new sponsor. Well, hey there, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's show was recorded on May 29th, 2020. Uh, as you know, we've been um, talking quite a bit about COVID on our episodes for these last few months. It's hard to believe that May is winding down and we're almost into June. After how long March felt, April started to accelerate and I feel like May went quite quickly uh, in a good way. I think we're all adjusting and it's been a time of, uh, I would say, increased optimism, curiosity. Here in Golden, some of the local restaurants are starting to reopen with patio seating, and it's just really nice to see people so excited to get to do things again. I just got my hair cut for the first time in three months a couple days ago. That just felt like such a guilty pleasure. It's something that I suspect none of us will take for granted again, just like eating out and having the opportunity to just be out meeting friends for coffee definitely things that we've missed for the last few months. And it just brings about a sense of hope. And at the same time, still a lot of confusion and uncertainty, and we're still navigating what's next. And uh, no one really knows or has any clarity about that. But uh, I've gotten far more comfortable about being in the 
in the being of this in-between space without knowing what's next. And that's true for me personally and professionally, as well as just the, the COVID world that we live in. I think since we last recorded, I had started working at a local bike shop and was there a couple days a week, um, learning and training as a salesperson, helping people buy bikes and helping um, people on the phone. And it was just such a fun experience. I learned so much about it. It really lit something up in me to especially work with women who were beginner cyclists who were buying their very first bike or people coming back to cycling who'd been away from it for an extended period of time. Uh, COVID has certainly been a blessing for cycling. There are so many people out riding bikes right now. It's just awesome. It is a dream come true. And uh, what it's done to the bike industry is something that no one could have anticipated, which is that there is a national run on bikes, particularly the entry-level bikes. So the $500, $700, $800 bikes are all sold out with manufacturers way behind on production. And now the entry-level or starting price points are definitely creeping up over the $1,000 mark. So um, I know that bike shops have just been overwhelmed with sales and with services as well. And bike mechanics just working overtime to try and get people's bikes serviced and get people out riding, which is awesome. But I'm also observing a bit of uh, burnout in the industry, too, because they've been at it nonstop, basically, since the middle of March, which is a lot to ask of a bike shop, a small business and its team. Um, so just a shout out to all the people working in those local bike shops. We appreciate you. And I see all the hard work that you're doing. And on behalf of cyclists here in Colorado and in our country, we really appreciate you. You have um, certainly gone above and beyond. And um, that experience also taught me, too, that uh, I went in really with no expectations other than just a, as an experiment. It was a great way for me to provide some structure to my work week. Working from home five days a week for all of March and April had left me feeling very untethered without really anything to anchor my time to. So having those days at the bike shop uh, with a 56-mile round-trip commute there and back just really gave me some uh, scheduling clarity for the other days in terms of when I would do my law firm work. And I really appreciated it for that reason. And uh, what it brought up in me was just how much I enjoy being around people how much I enjoy interacting with um, people in a retail space like that, and also just how much I was craving learning, an opportunity for learning. So I certainly learned a lot between the computer point of sale, rough setting bikes, learning a lot about bikes and bike brands that I didn't know anything about. Um, so it was a really fun experience. It did just come to an end this week, and I'm not sure what's next for me other than to say that I really am definitely seeking some sort of part-time uh another experiment like that one to do in addition to the law firm work. I really liked having both. And um, as someone who's been an employer and been the boss for the last decade plus, it was also really nice to be an employee. I learned some really incredible lessons from watching my superiors there about leadership or lack of leadership and also um, just what it means to the staff to be um, appreciated and to have gratitude shown for hard work done. And just that loyalty and that faithfulness that comes uh, from a leader that people believe in. So uh, all of it really benefited me as someone who's going to go forward and do I don't know what next. But in the meantime, the law firm has continued to be super successful. And unfortunately, I am starting to get more calls again from people who've been hit and injured, which is really heartbreaking um, now that people have started going back to work. And it feels like motorists are driving even crazier than they did before. It almost feels like people forgot how to drive. 
So you combine that with the increased number of cyclists out on the road. And um, unfortunately, we are seeing that combination not not being a good combination. Um, all that to say, you know, here we are. It's almost June. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and we're doing our best. And I'm just proud of humanity and I'm proud of the people in my life for doing their best. And I'm hopeful for what the future holds. And on that note, um, today's guest is Joe Howdyshell. He is the coach of my most recent guest, Walt Blesser. He is the one who advised Walt, like, hey, man, your heart, something's up. Definitely go talk to a doctor. And he's definitely a, a reason why my friend Walt is still here with us today. So Walt connected us because it's fun to talk to someone who's in the business of coaching athletes with so many athletic events right now being canceled and especially events that are in my um my universe like Dirty Kanza or Gravel Worlds or just any of the big bike events, gravel events, you know, most of us just really don't have anything coming up on the calendar and nothing to really train for. And, and that's been okay for me. I've just really enjoyed riding the bike to ride and giving myself the space to not ride on the days when my body just wasn't feeling it. Um, so we have a really great conversation about that. He gives us some great uh, book suggestions and just some really fun ideas. And uh, we talk about his suggestions for his athletes during this time and really to just everyone in general athlete or not to use this opportunity to really grab hold of good health and wellness routines and practices both from a nutrition standpoint as well as from an exercise standpoint so I certainly enjoyed Joe you must check out his website the photo of him running in his jorts is spectacular the website is uh, summitenduranceacademy.com and we'll have a link to that on the website as well Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Sorry that there was a few weeks there without an episode, but I was busy hustling at the bike shop. Talk to you all soon. Okay, go ahead with your thought. What were you about to say? Oh, so um, so I was I was thinking about this the other day because I have this, I have a recurring, like a, um, and I, and I don't know that we've ever figured it out, like a, like I might have dislocated a rib at some point. And so I have this, um, I get chest pain um, that has nothing to do with my heart, but it has all the same physical symptoms. And, and I have at various points in my life um, gotten freaked out about it enough to go in and, and have them check things out. And every time they're like, nope, like heart's good. There's, you know, there's no signs of there's, uh, you know, various, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not enzymes, but there's a, there's essentially like a chemical marker in your blood when your heart itself is, 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 um, essentially is rebuilding its tissue, which means that it's tissue is damaged. Gotcha. Um, and, you don't have that. and I, and I don't have that. Um, and, and I always find that it, it's essentially postural. So if I spend a lot of time on the bike and in the office and I'm a side sleeper also, and so it just kind of like crunches my shoulders together in the front, then that rib or whatever it is starts to act up and I get, and I get this like chest pain on that side. And so, so I'm also able to, you know, through some, you know, essentially just some, some simple physical therapy, get rid of it. But, but it, you know, like that that fear that Walt had when he called me and he was like, Hey, you know, like I'm getting this, what do you think I should do? I was like, you know, it's probably nothing, but I think you should go get it checked out. Like, I think it's definitely worth, 
um, the, the peace of mind that comes with like knowing your heart isn't about to explode. Um, exactly. Well, and I want to yeah. just tee this up for our listeners because uh, you are Walt Blesser's coach, Joe Howdy Shell. And uh, I just had thanked you for saving my friend Walt's life as we teed up the podcast and got started. So, Joe, welcome to the show. And also, thank you so much for telling Walt to go see a doctor. Hey, thanks on, on both fronts. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm really glad he listened to you because I know a lot of hard-headed athletes would brush it off. But I just really appreciate that you gave him wonderful sound advice and he took it and he's still yeah. with us today as a result. Yeah, me, me too. And, I, and I've, yeah, and I, you know, like... Walt, uh, I've, I've given him lots of advice over the years. Some of it's, some of it he's taken and some of it he hasn't. So I'm glad he listened on this one. I'm yeah. He, I'm really yeah. glad he listened. Totally. Joe, I want to start off, you know, you've got this fantastic bio on your website and we'll tee that up for the listeners on the website, uh, maximum enthusiasm and, um, your website where you are featured is summitenduranceacademy.com. So you are a professional athletic coach. And I want to start by talking about this photo I see of you racing mountain bike races uh, and running races, it looks like, in jorts. So first of all, what are jorts, for those listeners who may not know, and how did you come to be fascinated by them? <laughs> Gosh, that's a really good question. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> ever asked me where the jorts come from, because I, I do. I race a lot in jorts. I've, I've, uh, I've raced ski races in jorts. Um, okay, so basically so I have an old pair. <laughs> so I have an old, it was an old pair of, uh, of Carhartts, Carhartt jeans okay. that I had for years. And, um, gosh, I don't know. I don't know. They're like, there's a 50, 50 chance that it was. <laughs> so it was either like a costume party that I just cut the legs off of and they're, and they're short. They are very short jean shorts. I see that. I see that. Um, mm -hmm. So it was either, it was either like, I mean, it was, it was guaranteed to be alcohol related. Um, but it was like 50, 50, whether it was for a costume party. Cause I love those. Or if it was like bragging the night before a race or something and somebody's like, you won't race in jean shorts. I'll be like, I'll make some right now. Um, and, you and sure I've did. had that same pair for, gosh, six or seven years now, and I and I race in them probably four the or five times time a year. It looks like all right. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Okay, so uh, for our listeners that don't know what jorts are, they are jean shorts, basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be typically thought of as not the most comfortable thing to race. Uh, your bike on or a running race, or I'm looking at your Facebook page. You've got some epic ski photos here of you wearing those jorts as well. Yep. And so I just love that. I love an athlete who takes the pursuit of athleticism seriously, but doesn't take himself too seriously. That's so refreshing. And I'm sure that you get a lot of really fun responses when you're wearing those. Totally. Yeah. It's just a, it's, it's one of the things that I like about it is that, um, is that like, it breaks down the barrier between the the seriousness of my performance and the unserious performers. You know, like the people who are out there just having fun, like I get to interact with them more because they're like, dude, you're crazy. You know, if I was just this like super stoic guy who just like didn't smile, like won the race and didn't smile, I would probably have half of the really fun interactions that I have on that day. Um, so it's, 
I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a blast. I enjoy Good for it. you. Good for you for having so much fun with it, especially as someone who is a coach and I'm sure you work with very, very devote and serious athletes. And yet you find this wonderful light side of it. And I have to say, as I was reading your bio, I mean, it's just such an interesting um, combination of traits because, you know, I, there's this picture of you running in these short, short jorts, which is fantastic. And then the first sentence is like, college found him at the United States Military Academy at West Point, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Tell me about that. How did that come to be? Um, it was, it was as, as all things do in high school, entirely unplanned. And in, in the, in the, in the way that I, like somebody just mentioned it one day. They were like, hey, you know, you uh, like military stuff. I was in a junior ROTC at that point. Okay. And somebody, like some guidance counselor at some point was like, oh, well, you should uh, you should go to West Point. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's what I'm going to do. And <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say, people don't just accidentally find themselves there. Yeah. So, okay, that makes I sense. Didn't even, I didn't even apply to another school. Like I, I was completely oblivious to how hard it was to get in there and, and like, and just like, that was it. That was what I was going to do. I had no backup plan. I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm going to apply for this and then we'll see what happens. And I got I in it. and I was just kind of like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm in. I, and, and it's, yeah, it's totally one of those things where if you get in, it doesn't seem like it was hard, but <laughs> then you like, over your life, people are like, wow, that's you realize, like, yeah, that's yeah. a big deal. <laughs> like, oh, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long did you stay at West Point? Because I I see that you eventually attended the University of Wyoming and graduated there. So what took you from West Point to Wyoming? So um, so I walked onto the running team at West Point okay. and hated it. Just it just sucked. It was not, it was not fun. Um, I had oh. been a, a really low mileage um, runner in high school. I was I was like Wyoming two mile state champion, but I did that on like twenty five or thirty miles a week. Um, and so then I went to went to West Point, which is also you know five thousand feet lower, and running you know eighty to a hundred miles a week on pavement with with some seriously fast dudes, and it just like I was just always injured and broken. Oh wow. So, so I had I had been a a cross country skier also in high school. Um and so West Point had like a kind of a cl a small club cross country ski team. So I joined that team and just kind of like fell back in love with cross country skiing and threw myself at it very vigorously and um just really like fell back in love with kind of the the athlete lifestyle. Sure. And um, ended up at the end of my sophomore year competing for um, for West Point. I was second at collegiate club nationals in cross country skiing. Oh, cool! And so I kind of thought, like, you know, I am only going to be young enough to make a a real shot at this once. Mm -hmm. um, like, I can I can always, you know, get into the the national guard or the or the reserves or something like that at some point if i if i you know feel like i need to serve my country um but but i was like you know i'm you know there's not very many um you know i was 20 at the time and most olympians in cross country skiing i mean it's an older sport than like uh 
figure skating for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but you know, but I still, I was like, you know, it's probably going to take, you know, five to 10 years of training for this. So I need to, um, I need to, you know, kind of start this process now. Sure. Um, so it was with the Olympics in mind. Yep. It, it absolutely okay, was. Cool. cool. Um, so I, I got out and I transferred back to University of Wyoming who had, um, they were the team who had won collegiate club nationals. Um, and I was from Wyoming so I could get, uh, you know, resident tuition and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, Cause one of the things that happens when you go to West Point is that you don't exactly like save for your college. No, uh, I bet not. Out. Um, so yeah, so I went back to university of Wyoming and, um, uh, the biggest change there was girls and beer. Mm-hmm. So, um, I never really got a whole lot faster, but, um, <laughs> but but, way more I, fun. yeah, but, but what I did do there was, uh, start a, a degree in kinesiology and health promotion and then got a master's degree in exercise physiology. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it kind of like, I, I lost my, <clears throat> a little bit of the, uh, the athlete, uh, flair there, at least for cross-country skiing, but, uh, but I got the, the coaching education and a lot of coaching experience. So. And that I assume in turn launched you into the coaching career that you've enjoyed ever since. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Right on. So mm-hmm. as a coach, Joe, what primary sports are you coaching athletes? And is it primarily those that you yourself were involved in? So running, cycling and skiing? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, I, mostly coach ski mountaineering racing um and distance running and mountain biking um i have i occasionally have some road bike athletes um and walt was kind of you know road he did he did some some mountain racing obviously but mostly road and and running um and then uh every once in a while you know like it's like, so part of it is I have the, you know, I think experience helps a lot with the individual, um, with the individual sports, but the education can help in some weird ways. So I've worked with a professional, um, like a, like an obstacle course racer, like a Spartan, oh, a professional fine. Spartan racer. Um, I've worked with a professional motocross racer, um, and I've worked with uh, I've worked with a few different triathletes, so I I can't swim to save my life. Um, I mean, well, that's not true. I swim really well. I go very very slowly. Okay. Um, and I know very little about swimming, but I've worked with a couple. I've coached a couple of triathletes who were already really good swimmers, and I just worked on the bike run for them. Um, and I and I thought that was really fun. But uh, but yeah, primarily it's I would say like the the bulk of my athletes are ski mountaineering racers who run in the summer. So it's kind of that, that, that combo. And what is it about coaching athletes that you love so much? I mean, you've been at it, uh, according to your website since 2006. So 14 years now, you Mm -hmm. are the founder of Summit Endurance Academy. You know, you do this full time in addition to participating in the sports yourself. What, what about it lights you up so much? Gosh, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, like I think with with everything, some of it is that I think I'm good at it, um, well, and uh, I um, I think that I have a like like I I really enjoy teaching, um, okay. and I like the 
one of the things that I think I'm, you know, that, that, that kind of like gives me this, this feeling of self-confidence is being able to break down complex physiological concepts into fairly simple, um, and understandable ways. Um, and so, and so like, so part of coaching is that, you know, I have this long history and education. And so I have that ability to, to like, like people understand. And so I can see, I can see people go, Oh, wow. You know, I've never, like, I've heard people talk about this, but I've never actually gotten it before. Um, so that's really fun. I also, there's, there's something about, um, so, so I had this really interesting conversation with my father one time, um, after I had started the Academy and my, my, my dad, um, was a runner and football player in high school and college, and then ended up coaching both football and track um, in later years. And at one point with the, with the academy, because I was coaching primarily online, you know, he had this, he had this chat with me about how, you know, or at one point he said, he said, man, your job is so hard. And I was like, huh, why? I like, I, I, I agree, but I'm curious to see why you say that. And he was like, one of the things that, that he really appreciated about coaching track or football was that when somebody had a breakout performance, he got to see it. He got to see that kid like strut off the field after they had set a personal record in track or after they had made a, made a big tackle in football. And he got the, you know, kind of the, the, he, you know, he got some of that emotional energy because he was there and he could see that, that, that reaction. And, and so while I definitely, while I don't get as much of that, you know, like it, like it's harder to get that, that emotional energy from, you know, from an athlete texting and saying like, Hey, I had a good race. Um, right. You, you still get it. Like I still, I think that's one of the, one of the really big things is, is I enjoy um, watching and helping people have those breakthroughs. And, and for me, it's really about when the, when, you know, when kind of the light goes on and I can tell that somebody just did something that they didn't think that they could do um, and getting to that point where where they start to, they start to say like, oh, they like, they start to question all their other limitations. I think that's mm. probably the biggest thing for me is when they start to see that they, they did this one thing that wasn't on their radar before. And so they start looking around and saying like, oh shit, what, like, what are these other things that I could do? And, and that, that kind of like that light bulb going on is, is a, is a big one for me for sure. I love that. I can see how that would totally fill you up and keep you going and keep you inspired. And I also suspect that every athlete is really different and really each individual goal of each athlete is very, very different. So uh, there's no real repetition for you. Everything is sort of always new and fresh as you confront these challenges with your athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. 
So in the in the era of COVID, so we're talking on Friday, May 29th, uh, obviously most athletic events have been canceled or postponed well into the future. In fact, I'm chuckling about the way that the month of September is taking form. Like <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna right. have to punch out of work for the entire month of September to do everything of the entire summer that has now been crammed into September. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, you know, as an athlete, I'm still a little trepidatious to really start putting any hay in the barn and working towards events in September, just being hesitant for fear that things may still ultimately be canceled or postponed again. Um, so, you know, one of the things we talked about beforehand that you commented is it's time to stop waiting for normal to come back. And you're having that conversation with your athletes. What does that mean in the context of, of, uh, you know, competition or just really anything? Yeah. So, um, so, uh, you know, I've had, I've, I, I think it's, I have a lot of athletes in the exact same place that you are, you know, who are saying like, well, you know, just like, I'm just not sure. I'm just gonna, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait until, uh, things get back to normal. And I'm going to, and that's when I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get back onto my nutrition and I'm going to get back onto mm. my training schedule and I'm going to get back on to being better with my time. But right now, you know, things are weird right now. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait on those. And I think that the danger there is that, is that one, like, you know, things, things aren't going to go back to normal. Um, one of the things that we know about human history in general is that change is the only constant. And so, while things don't need to go like things don't need to stay kind of crappy like they are right now, um, normal isn't going to happen. And so waiting to work on, you know, at, at best, given what we know about epidemiology and the timing of, of vaccines, waiting until a quote unquote normal means, you know, like at, at best another, you know, year, probably of sliding habits and decreasing right. fitness and increasing weight and, right. and, and all of that stuff. Um, and, and so that's, that's a, you know, that's a best case scenario. And then at a worst case scenario is people wait for things to go back to exactly like they were before, which never happens because it's, because it's not going to. And so the, the conversation that I've been having a lot is kind of getting people to say like, okay, you know, we, I wrote a blog post a couple of new, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago about a, a called uh, find new ways because, you know, the, the ways in which you have motivated yourself to train, meaning races has changed. That's um, right. the, way, the ways that you have stayed healthy, the ways that you have coped with stress, the ways that you have worked all of these things have changed. And so, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely valid that everybody has taken some time to grieve um, for the very rapid loss of normality. Right. But, but at a certain point, you have to, you have to stop grieving and you have to kind of get, you know, back get, get back on your horse. Yep. Um, and so that's, yeah, I've jokingly said, this is, it, it, we have no excuse for not being the fittest we've ever been. <laughs> given the time, the opportunity to work from home, the opportunities to cook, the opportunities to do meal prep. I mean, yes, I agree with what you're saying about taking time to, to mourn some of the lost opportunities and this very significant trauma that everyone is, is dealing with. And at the same time, we should be the healthiest we've ever been, right? Given all the time and freedom that we have now. 
in our schedule? Yeah, well, absolutely. But I, I think that I think that there's a, a couple things there. Is like, so I'm a I'm a big fan. My my girlfriend introduced me to the phrase "Don't should all over yourself." Yeah, big um, time. Yep. Which I absolutely love. And so I think like what what i what i've been trying to do with people is to is to kind of very gently say like okay like it is absolutely it's good that you have given yourself a little time to grieve it's good that you have taken a little time to to breathe and given yourself time to process like you said all of the all of the losses that you've had in terms of you know the ways that things have changed um but but that doesn't mean that you should do that forever and so while I don't necessarily think that you should be anywhere right, right now, right. it's, it is a great time to start moving in that direction. Um, and I've, and I've, you know, I've been saying that for the last month and I'm actually starting to work on some training plans and stuff called just called camp Corona because there I feel go. like it's been, like it. it's been like my own personal training camp. It's been, it's been pretty great. You know, I have, control over my diet. I have control over my exercise. I have control over my time. Time um, to get back to some of the foundational stuff, some of the self-care and core work that we often neglect in season. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and so while it is, um, a, a stressful time, I think that it is less stressful if you start to work on it with the assumption that things aren't going to go to go back to normal. Cause I think that one of the, I think one of the places that stress really comes from is the, the difference between expectations and reality. And so if you have this expectation that things are going to, that, that things are worse than they should be right now, you expect things to be better right now, but they're not, then you're setting yourself up for a, for being in a bad place. But if you can just say like, yep, nope, this is how things are. I expect them to be like kind of weird, kind of mediocre, maybe even kind of shitty for a little while. But you know what? I can, there's things that I can do about this. There's things that I can, that I can work on in myself um, that can make all of this, this better. Well, thanks for the role that you're playing in that. And I know the athletes are feeling just in general a little bit untethered. They've sort of lost their compass. I know for most of us, if we're being candid, we, we love the training. And oftentimes I'll sign up for races, not because I'm even that excited about the race day itself, but I really love the process of getting there. That's certainly what's true for Ironman for a few years. I didn't really actually like race day, but I loved the months of training leading up to it. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. without having that rabbit out there for us to chase or that carrot, I should say, ahead of us, I'm sure that that's a challenging time for your athletes and even as a coach, just trying to manage this in-between space. And so um, what are you recommending in terms of ways or reasons to make those big gains in health and fitness since there is no performance uh, event ahead? Well, I think so if we, if we go back to, um, you know, kind of some of what I think are the, like the foundational reasons why, why sport is important in in general and i think that one of the biggest reasons is that the skills you know and this is and this is something you 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 know you hear from like 1970s gym teachers in tiny short shorts is that like <laughs> the, the, these are life skills they're not only sport skills and so what the the um the you know i i I usually like to, I have, I have a, you know, there's like a long list of them. And, and that, that 70s gym teacher would first and foremost just say like discipline, you need discipline and this teaches you discipline. 
But but really for me, it's it's all about habits. It's all about being able to um, kind of create and change your own behaviors. Um, I think I think discipline is usually like the the last the last bastion of hope for people who aren't willing to try to work smarter at it. Sure. And like, sure, discipline sure. discipline works if you're if you want to just like run straight into a wall a hundred times, and if you do that, maybe the wall falls down. But I think that there's a lot of better ways to do it, and there's a lot of you know great research and 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 ways that you can you know develop a lifestyle around you know being a little more intelligent with that stuff. And I think that that by by figuring out um, you know how to how to you know how to design your environment and how to um, find mentors and how to find expert instruction um, and how to reflect you know there there are all of these things that if we do these well um, in a in a fairly structured environment like training for a sport we can often figure out how to kind of transfer those skills into other ways. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I, and I think that's like so incredibly important and we don't often get that structure at work or in our right. hobbies. You know, it's very rare that we have a, a mentor who's willing to, or a boss who's willing to say like, no, let's like, let's step back and let's work on these little skills that ultimately are going to, are going to give you this, this big return on your investment later. That, that just doesn't happen in the the typical nine to five. You know, you're you're um, you are graded on the results and not on the process, and so you don't tend to be very process focused. Even though that's the thing that ultimately will get you the most results. Well, and I don't know about some of your athletes, but for me, this is the first time that I've really ever had a reason to pause and say to what end? Why do I do some of these things? If I'm being honest with myself, does it really bring me joy? Or am I doing this to, to be seen to be recognized as a participant or as, as a podium finisher, or um, like, it's just really helped me get clear on what's my why for mm -hmm. training and racing in general. And um, I think rediscovering that purpose with with the absence of a specific event has been really great for me. It's been good for me to say, no, I really do love being on the bike and I love the structured training of it. Um, but it's also okay for me to take away a little bit, you know, like the structured intervals and things like that, that put my body under stress when I don't have a specific event that I'm preparing for right now and mm -hmm. giving myself that space to relax into the clean eating and the riding and staying somewhat structured, but letting some of the real intensity and some of the top end structure go in, in filling that time with the foundational things, the self-care, the core work, the, stretching the things that often get left on the roadside during the season. Yeah, um, absolutely. Are you seeing any of your athletes just pivot and say, you know what, without an event, I guess I don't, I don't really love the sport anymore. Has anyone done that? You know, I, um, we, we had some, we had some kind of leave like right off the bat in March when things got canceled and, and there definitely were, like yeah, I've I've had a few who who were certainly um, you know they were very externally motivated. They wanted to 
they wanted to finish this thing in order to say that they had finished this thing. It was like uh -huh. a, you know, and, and I think there's room for that. You know, I think there's sure, room for sure. having a bucket list. Um, but, but I definitely do think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting when you see that. Um, I, uh, I had a, a, um, and, and I, and I really like, you know, appreciate your, you know, your candid thoughts there of, of being able to sit back and saying like, man, am I doing this for me or am I doing this because of the reactions I'll get on social media? Um, mm -hmm. but I think that there's, so one, of one of the quotes that I just go back to over and over again, um, uh, comes from, um, one of my favorite podcasts, which I absolutely would not recommend to everyone, but some people will, will like it a lot. It's called the, the nonprofit podcast. Okay. Um, and it's, and it's nonprofit P R O P H E T. Um, like, a you know, like Got a, it. like a, uh, a profit. And, and so yeah. it's, it's, um, it's this guy, Mark Twight, who was a, um, you know, one of the, one of the absolute best fast and light mountaineers, um, in the like nineties. Um, and he, he ended up, um, becoming a, you know, a, a trainer and coach and actually has done a lot of work with the military and he's done a lot of work in Hollywood. So he was behind like the movie 300 and a lot of the justice league movies. Um, and, uh, and he has this podcast and it's like, it's like three quarters, just like a bunch of guys sitting in a room telling dick jokes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just like, there's zero structure to it whatsoever, but the people that he brings in are, are so, and I, and I think that like part of what he gets out of that is that he builds this incredible trust with the people who are on there. And he brings in these very, very thoughtful, um, high, high performing people. And, um, and, and so like, if, if you can handle, you know, listening to a three hour podcast for 15 to 20 minutes of just awesome, awesome stuff, then it's, and then it's, it's a great podcast. Um, if you get frustrated by wasting a lot of time laughing half-heartedly at, 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 at jokes, um, then maybe it's not for you. But, but one of his quotes that I really liked was or this thought of like, do you really want to stand on the podium or do you want to feel how you imagine the person standing on the podium feels? You know, like, especially if you haven't been on the podium before, you know, you look up at that person and you kind of like, you imagine the confidence that they must have that you don't right now. And so you say, yep, I, I want to get on the podium because, man, I bet that guy doesn't have all these insecurities right. and these stresses that I do. But then you get on the podium and you're like, oh, shit, nope, I, I still have all of these. Um and, and ultimately, what does give you that confidence, in, in my opinion, is the, um, the agency that you get from following uh, any kind of plan that leads you to increased abilities. And any time that you can take yourself to, from, and again, I think it's, it's that kind of realization of like, Oh, I, wow. I like, I set forth on this training plan thinking that I could do X, but really I can do X plus 20%. Holy crap. 
And that's when you start, I think when you, when you start to, to realize your own capacity for change and growth, like that's when you get the confidence when you're like, yeah, I could, I could do, I could do all of this shit. Which in the context of where we're at and where we began this discussion is that's actually a really wonderful breakthrough for a person to experience because in this era of COVID, there isn't an event or a podium tied to it, but there's still so much opportunity for self-development and growth and the fine tuning of that structure and that routine that can really benefit a person, um, especially people who didn't previously make time for healthy eating, for food prep, for healthy shopping, for any kind of exercise that are now finding that two hour commute to and from the office is no longer part of their day. They have free time. You can only watch so much Netflix. Uh, I've been working at a bike shop for about six weeks and I've seen just the run on bikes that's happening and people are just Mm -hmm. desperate to be outside exercising and so many people I've talked to at the shop are like, you know, I haven't been on a bike in 30 years or 40 years. I haven't been on a bike since I was 10. And these are people in their 50s and 60s. And my comment is always, you know, welcome back. And so it, whether it's an athlete or not, I think everyone has the opportunity to use this time to reincorporate the things that definitely serve us best as humans. Um, I assume you agree with that for sure. But, you know, abundance of free time and that becomes hard. Like if you don't have something to tether your time and your energy to, you sort of just walk around in circles and have a hard time really buckling down. And that's where having a coach is so instrumental and so critical. So I'm sure that you are providing that amazing service and just the accountability to the people that you serve. I'm curious when you talk about these people who realize that they have the potential to surpass their own self-limitations, does a specific athlete or story or uh, event come to mind where you were just over the moon proud of someone when you watched them defeat those old expectations of themselves? Ooh, ooh. Gosh. Where that light bulb just went off and you're like, oh man, they just took Yeah, so... So I have a, I have a, a, yeah, I actually have a pretty good one. And I, um, so I have this, I I have an athlete who is currently 18. And so, so I run some, some local youth programs and, um, and, and, and I know that, so she is a, she is an, an advocate for the subject. And so I know that she would not, um, you know, she'd be, she'd be proud of me telling the story. Okay. She came to me um, not as an athlete, but for me to be a part of her uh, recovery team from uh, an extreme eating uh, disorder. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And so, and and part of the reason why why I was on the team was that she wanted to, re, you know, and, and a very important thing for her was to be able to return to being an athlete. Um, and and so you know, it was kind of like a, um, a, um, you know, a, a concession for the rest of the, of her recovery team, which was, uh, you know, a therapist and a nutritionist and her parents and a doctor. Um, and so we, you know, we, we worked together over time and, and she had a, a, a very frustrating winter, you know, she had been, um, she had been, uh, extremely underweight and unhealthy. And so she had had, months and months and months of no fitness at uh, of no exercise at all and trying to eat a lot and just to just to you know get back to a normal weight and so she um she came into the winter incredibly unfit 
as as you would, you know, sure. being being a you know, youth are so incredibly adaptable to all things, including the couch. Um, and she had had to, you know, adapt to being on the couch. And so she was by far the last person on at every workout for months. And, um, and I remember it was the second or third race of the year. And so this would have been, you know, we started practicing in October and I had been working with her since June or July, um, you know, just kind of getting back to getting back to full health, working on a lot of mindset stuff, working on a lot of, you know, like, uh, you know, additional coping, coping strategies beyond, you know, food and food and, and exercise. Um, and, and we, and we get to this race, you know, five or six months into working and, and, and she and she goes from like last person on the team to first person on the team all of a sudden and it was just wow. like all that that months of work and all of a sudden she she was minutes and minutes and minutes ahead of where anyone would have of would have predicted her wow and um and and now she like she was third at the youth olympic games this past winter Amazing. She is one of the most, she's one of the hardest working athletes that I have ever worked with. And I know it's, you know, it's easy to look at that and say like, well, you know, she might have an, an you know, an, an exercise addiction. So of course it's easy to work, but, you know, we yeah. have worked so incredibly hard and I've, you know, I, and I've worked with other athletes who have struggled with both eating and exercise addictions. And, and while, you know, it's, it's not a struggle that, that you ever don't have to work on she's she's winning that struggle absolutely and 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 seeing her um yeah watching that that transition from from being like you know i like like there is i don't want to say a, a victim um but there was a certain amount of that you know some of her her struggles were were coping from um from that feeling of being a victim um, and, and so watching that, that transition from, you know, kind of like being frustrated that her life was limited and her, um, and, and, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting to, to think about the, the correlations with where we are right now. You know, she was grieving for, um, a big life change. And she was grieving for her past self and she was grieving for her past innocence. And she was frustrated at the limitations that she had to go through. You know, she had to talk to a therapist regularly. She regularly, she had to um, talk with me regularly and stuff that before she would have just been like, no, I just, I just want to go train. Um, And, and watching her realize the, all of the different you know, and, and kind of get some of that self-confidence back of seeing like, wow, there are, there are all of these different ways that I can cope. There are all of these different ways that I can express myself. There are all of these different ways that I can empower myself and become better. Um, and, and, and it's me, like I can do all of these things. It doesn't have to do with external sources. It doesn't have to do with, with, you know, for her, I think a, a really big one was that she stopped having to react uh with 
you know, by by compulsion, that she could she could beat those demons and she could do it on on her own terms. That's amazing. Um, and and watching that, oh, shit. I mean that that like brings tears to my eyes right now. Um, it's been a it's been a hell of a three or four years. That's awesome. What a great thing for you to get to be part of that. I'm I'm happy for you that you get to you get to participate in that transformation and that young woman's life will never be the same and it will be better as a result. And um, I guess that's what I've always appreciated about sport and cycling specifically too, is just the way that it can bring us up out of our depths. And uh, sometimes we don't give it quite enough credit, but then you add the structure and the discipline of coaching and training and it just makes us better people. I truly believe that. And you know, the beauty of a coach too, is that you can, you can step up when we sometimes overdo it. And I've certainly been guilty of that too. Like <laughs> if I just do more work, I'll be better. And so just give me yep. more work to do and I'll just do more. And so again, that's the brilliance of a coach is that external source to, to keep us in check. Um, so that's really neat. I, thank you for sharing that story. That's a really powerful example of uh, how coaching and training to change the life for the better, for sure. Um, so where do you see this going? Like what, what is your prediction for sport and health in general? Where do you, where do you think will come out of this COVID thing as an athletic community? Whoo, whoo, getting, getting <laughs> deep here. Hang on, I got to grab my jorts. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, so I think, um, I do think, uh, yeah, so I, I had this, um, I, I have this app called uh, the, the Daily Stoic. And, uh -huh. so good. and, and I loved this, this um, gosh, no, it might've even been from something else actually, but it was, it was, it was talk about um, one of the, the key tenets of Stoic philosophy is that you want to kind of uh, assume that the world is going to be shit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and that can really make you seem pessimistic, but or this, you can regain your sanity, not trying to control things that are what they are. <laughs> totally. Well, and, and, and this thing, this, this new thought that I had, because it was expressed in a different way that I've heard of is, is stoicism is the practice of assuming that the world is going to be shit, but that we can handle it. There you go. I like that. That's a great twist. And so it's, it's like, it's not, it's, it's being pessimistic about the world, but optimistic about our own abilities. Yeah. And, and so for me in, in kind of that light, like, I don't think that we're going to see racing for quite some time. Right. Um, I think that it's unlikely. I think that, that we might have, you know, I think that we might have some races sprinkled here or there. But I think that by and large, we aren't going to see a thousand people on a starting line. No, this this year, um, I think that that you know I'm seeing a lot of really cool things where people are figuring out like time trial type formats, or yep. you know Never do this been. climb on Strava over the next yep. week. Um, but I but I really don't think that we're going to see any big um, any big competitions um, for for quite some time. Um, and I, and I'm, and I'm really curious to see what that means for like, like world cup racing and to see if they will do, you know, like 40 people starts without 
spectators or, or something like that. I think that I think that might be possible. But I think that by and large, like our, you know, your your dirty Kansas um, right. and, and like bigger grand fondos and stuff, I think they're not going to happen for quite some time. And so I think that one of the things that's going to happen is that some people are going to, and it's going to take everybody different amounts of time, but some people are going to get really, um, well, everybody is going to, is going to, you know, have to, have to take some time to figure out why the fuck they're doing this. Right. Um, yep. But then I think that most people are going to essentially go back to training. They're not going to be sure why at first, but they're going to realize that it's left a hole in their life not to have it. And, and they're going to get back to it. And they're probably going to be like, you know, as, as you've said, you know, more well-rounded in what they focus on. There's going to be a little bit more focus on nutrition. There's going to be a little bit more focus on strength and mobility. Um, and there's going to be people figuring out that, that, that I think there, I think there's a couple, a couple key things there. One that like racing is stressful and yeah feeling like you have to nail everything so that you end up with this perfect peak eight months from now causes a lot of anxiety. Sure does. When instead you can sit back and you can say like, okay, cool. I can, you know, like every, every training plan has not every training plan, but most people kind of periodize things fairly in similar ways. And you kind of you do this long like base and build, and then you work on your taper. It's like, well, why not just work on the base and build continuously for a long time? And like, that's the part that actually gains fitness. And you can like, you can continue to, you know, increase your workload 10% from, from now until infinity and just shock yourself at how fit you can become. And it's right. less stressful and it's more sustainable oh, and it's more fun. Um, and I think, and I, I optimistically, I think that that's what most people are going to kind of settle on. Yeah. Which is probably an okay thing at the end of the day. It really probably is. It brings us back to a more holistic approach to sport in general and taking care of ourselves. Well, and I think like one of the things that I see and get really frustrated with, with athletes is, um, is this thought that a three month training plan is enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, no. you're getting something out of that, but you're real, you're not fundamentally changing yourself or your fitness. You know, you are like in three months, you can get back to, you know, assuming you're under, call it 40, you can probably get back to some of the best fitness you've ever had yep. in that amount of time. But you're never going to get better. And then once you're, once you're, you know, past 40, um, it's going to, you know, you need, you might need four months in order to get back to that point. But, but what we have now is the opportunity to get on like a six or seven or eight or nine month build and just blow our previous performance out of the water. And I think that, uh, yep. And I think that yep. is the, is the true opportunity that we have right now. Totally. And perhaps with a bit more health underlying it, because we're not just pushing so hard. We back off a bit as we've said several times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. 
in an era when we don't have to worry about FOMO, which I think quite frankly keeps most athletes chomping at the bit, even when they have a nagging pain or a this or a that or an imbalance, they just keep chasing the <clears throat> the big miles or the big intensity or the big whatever to get the result. And yep. now we can let off the gas and go back to some of the, um, uh, you know, restorative foundational things, which of course is going to ultimately create a much more amazing and talented athlete and hopefully one with more longevity less injury and all the things. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. Um, so do you have, so in addition to the study of the Stoics, do you have a favorite book or um, something that you've recently read or watched that just really touched you or impacted you that you want to share? Um, my, my always favorite is Atomic Habits by James, James Clear. Um, okay. that, that I think is when it comes to getting better at things, um, that is one of the most powerful and, and most importantly, one of the most useful books I've ever read. Cool. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, um, yeah, it's very useful. You know, a lot of those books can be kind of like, okay, cool. There you like, you got, I got some good science out of that, but, yeah. but like, how do I really use this? Um, so that's a great one. Um, I'm trying to think of, I read, I read like four or five books at a time. And so it's, um, it's always interesting. Um, so, oh, so, oh, here's a, here's a really good one for right now is Ryan holidays. The obstacle is the way. Yes. Agreed. That, that is a I killer one right now. Yes. And stillness um, is key. It's the other one I love. Yeah. And I'm, I'm about halfway through that right now, which is why it made me think of James clear. And nice. I, and I think about that too. I think that like one of the things that, that, um, you know, we look at how are people, like you said, you know, most people have less commute right now. So they probably have more time. And, and, and granted, I think we're, you know, we're like, we, we have to acknowledge the, the elephant in the room, which is people who now are their own childcare again, yes. which definitely is a, is a huge time suck. But I think like by and large, most people have more time right now and they are using it on social media or TV if they're not training. That's right. And so I think like I think that's a that's a place where getting back to stillness is the key with uh with with Ryan Holiday is is some is some great 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 stuff like meditate, go for a walk without your phone. Um all that stuff is is so important right now. Yeah, and we have this incredible opportunity to have it. I just spoke with a lawyer friend this morning on the phone who had told me that she knew that her life was not okay. The way she was always five or 10 minutes behind constantly feeling like she was letting people down or kids or family. She's a very successful trial lawyer, just always running late basically and overscheduled. And she said, I knew that I knew that it wasn't right. I knew that it was having really significant and negative consequences for me. I didn't know how to make it stop. And thankfully mm. for this reset, she's been able to really readjust her life and, settle into a much better existence. And so I know that COVID has been incredibly detrimental for so many business owners. And of course, for those who have had the sickness, have had the virus and, and certainly for those that we've lost from it. And also it has prompted us all to press pause in a way that we would never have otherwise, which I think is good for athletes and everyone in general. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yep. Yep. Cortisol is a killer and people think Oof. that they're above it, right? Like, oh, it doesn't affect yeah. me. Oh, yeah. I, I 
I manage stress better than everyone else. And I can't yeah. stand it when people say things like, well, there's plenty of time to sleep when we're dead. And it's like, well, you may yeah. as well be dead if you're not going to take care of yourself. Yeah, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, parting thoughts for me. Um, what's, what's on your radar, Joe? What are you, what are you doing to stay fit and to keep you on, on task? Yeah. So I, um, so I know, so one of the other things, so I had a, I had an athlete, um, who just had his last a race canceled and he was, you know, in that, in that kind of grieving and processing process, um, kind of be like, man, what, like, what, what are the other SEA athletes doing? And, um, and it really made me think quite a bit about, cause I've been training like a madman, um, on the, on the road bike for the last, uh, eight or nine weeks. Um, I got to like the least fit I have ever been or as an adult in probably January or February, I took on a, uh, took on a kind of a side job and crushed myself. Um, gotcha. And so I've been back to training and, and, and he was like, kind of like, you know, what, like, what are you, what are you doing with that? And it, and it was an interesting question because I definitely train because I love to train, but it also made me think about, um, adventures and, and I've talked with a couple people and I'm stirring together a couple of thoughts of, of some, some kind of like, um, like, like um, I'm not a not a big fan of hanging things okay. off my bike, okay. Okay. But, but more like credit card touring. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Exactly. Like, yep. Cool. I'm gonna do like a like you know like a 150 mile gravel route to a to, hotel to a hotel, yep. and then you know do another leg and then do another leg to finish. Um, like that that just sounds really fun to me and sounds like a, a an awesome way to to kind of like show myself how much the training has worked and how, and how strong I am and, and how I can, I can do these cool things with the work that I've put in. That feels really good in a self-sufficient, productive way too. I, I, I know that Alex House mm -hmm. from EF Foundation just rode from his house here in, um, I don't know if he's in Golden or Boulder, but rode to the Kansas border yesterday, like just basically yeah, just yeah. good just to be self-propelled and independent. And I think there's such beauty and simplicity and productivity there. And a lot of people, Rebecca Rush and all these folks are doing the Everesting challenges. Mm -hmm. yep. um, I really love seeing what people are doing to keep themselves uh, motivated and accountable and just exploring new ways of doing this. I think it's really cool. And uh, I, I love the credit card camping idea. Just like stick a pair of flip-flops and a spare mm -hmm. chamois on your totally. backpack. Away you totally. go. So yep. do you have a destination in mind? Do you have a potential expedition that you're, you're simmering on? No idea. No idea. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I probably, unless I, if I do something gravel, it's going to have to be probably not from home. Okay. Um, cause there isn't a whole lot of good gravel between Breckenridge and, uh, and, a, and an awesome hotel somewhere. Although if somebody has a suggestion, I would love it. Although, I mean, I guess it could be kind of cool to, to just roll to winter park, go yes. over like Ute pass yes, and do all that. That could be, that could be kind of fun. And I lived in winter park for a year. So it'd be kind of fun to go, you know, go dance on the bar at uh, Cripple Creek Saloon. Crooked, crooked, crooked Creek Saloon. Yeah. So you definitely would pack your jorts then for that. Trip. Yes, a hundred percent. I might do the whole thing in jorts. It'd be kind of fun. Oh my god, that's epic! Um, 
so much chirping. Um, that's it. funny. I I was just looking over at my at my drawer of chamois. I used to have for for a while. I had a set of old bibs that I had cut down so that they would so that I could wear them under the jorts. Uh, okay. uh, I think I might have threw those away because I figured out that it all kind of chafed the same. And so oh, now okay. I just wear them. Um, but. Uh-huh. Well, keep us posted. I, I love this yeah. adventure we've got cooked up. I've always wanted to ride from here in Golden to Winter Park and then spend the night and ride back the next day. I think that'd be really fun or even just into Fraser And I think there's yeah. so many routes and opportunities to do that. And now that the snow is melting and stuff, we can yeah, start getting totally. out there. And I've got the sweet new gravel bike. I've got a, a Cannondale Popstone with a little bit of rear suspension in it. Oh, nice. Perfect for a, a trip like that, for an expedition like that. So Awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah well, Joe, I think thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Well, we will have a direct link. I'm sorry, too. I did not mean to cut you off. Did you have another thing you were going to suggest? Oh, I was just I was just going to say, like, I think it's a I think it's a really fun time to be like to still have goals, but to be really creative about the goals. You know, like I think for a long time, we've gotten kind of lazy with a really busy yeah. race calendar. And now we have this opportunity to kind of think outside the box and do things that that really matter to us and not that matter to other people. That's right. It's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. What yeah. Can we find out there? And what hasn't been done, or even if it has been done, how can we do it? And yeah, the mm -hmm. FOMO, the FOMO push has definitely subsided. And now we're all just yeah. looking for what fills us up, which is great. It's a great yep. place to be. Totally. Uh, totally. Love it. Well, I will have a link to your website, Joe, and it is for our listeners, summitenduranceacademy.com. Joe is up in Breckenridge, right? Yep, sure am. Okay, that's where they can find you. So athletes listening mm -hmm. or people that want an accountability nudge or someone to help them create their comeback plan or just help them formulate their next adventure or their next scavenger hunt, you're, you're the man. Are you accepting clients right now? I sure am. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. great. Well, I look forward to meeting you in person at some point in your George. Yeah, likewise. And, um, uh, until that time, thanks for what you're doing and, and keep crushing it out there, my friend. Awesome. Right back at you. Thanks, Megan. Have a good thanks. one. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.